Hello, everyone, and welcome to season four of the Global Careers Calls podcast from the University of London Career Service. Listen in to stimulating career conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. This season's focus is the future of work, so let's listen in to our Global Careers Call. The fintech industry. You might have heard about it in recent years, in the news, or during your job search. But what is it about, and why should you consider a career in fintech? Fintech, or financial technology, is a fast-growing industry, transforming traditional financial services. It refers to the application of innovative technology such as artificial intelligence or AI, automation, big data, and robotics to change the way we do finance in the world today. Some examples in your daily lives are digital payments, buy now, pay later schemes, online lending, using a virtual assistant or a robo-advisor for your personal finances, and much more. The fintech labour market information makes for some exciting reading. LinkedIn has reported a 203% increase in job postings for fintech professionals in just the last two years, highlighting the growing demand. Join me, Tanyol Kazim, for this global careers call, exploring the career journeys and industry insights of two guests working across the fintech space. We have Eva Plesnar, a tax technology and innovation project manager at RSM, and Melvin Lopez, a data discovery and research lead for the Financial Conduct Authority, with a focus on regulatory innovation within fintech. Melvin is also a University of London alum. So whether you're an aspiring professional, an established finance guru, or simply curious about the future of work, there will be something to take away for everyone. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. I want to start by delving into your respective career journeys in finance so far. So starting with you, Melvin. You've had a non-traditional route into the world of work, coming through the care system before studying a BA International Relations degree with us at the University of London. Can you tell us about your experiences and how you got started in the finance industry? Yeah, of course. Before I do so, Daniel, thank you so much for having me here today. It's a great pleasure to be invited back as an Apple alumni. I'll talk a little bit about my career because, like you already said, it's been a bit unique. So when I entered the University of London, not too long before that, someone who, some would say, a product of the system. So I left the care system in Southwark. Um, what that meant is that that poses one challenges, not only for me, but generally for people that leave uh, the system. I think the main challenges in a business context is people that leave care often have a lack of positive role models. And why do I mention this? It's because this can affect your confidence, right? Mm. It creates something that makes me feel that, you know, you don't belong. A term that's often described as imposter syndrome. Am I really going to be someone senior in a, in a business environment, a corporate environment one day? And you start doubting yourself. So um, the University of London was uh, very useful because they provided a lot of support that I wasn't aware of. And the reason I want to highlight this is because there may be some students who perhaps are coming from the care system who may not know about the support that the University of London can offer. So I know that City University, for instance, offers something called City Cares Bursary, where they give people who leave care up to £3,500 a year to help them with their studies. And I also know that the University of London has collaborated with Unite Foundation, which provide a whole scholarship for people who leave care so I would just encourage anybody listening today who comes from that sort of background or situation 
to reach out because there is a lot of support available that, that perhaps is not as well known as it should be. In terms of my career, I guess I was very lucky because I entered the Bank of England through the School Leaver Program. And for me, it was amazing because I was able to enter a junior grade, but work my way up and really allowed me to understand the different roles and responsibilities that would essentially make the career that I have now. Mm-hmm. I started off working in data and you mentioned earlier that I did graduate in international relations and what I do now has nothing to do with international relations, but I guess for me, that only just shows how technology is moving forward. And for me, I quickly realized that the world and technology are ever more interlinked and I want to kind of be part of that journey. Thank you so much, Melvin, for sharing your background. I think it's important for the people listening to know that sometimes the life circumstances you have can influence someone's mindset. In your case, it's something you've embraced and it's something that isn't talked about enough so we really really value the fact that you've shared that and very interesting as well about your entry into finance um so just on that then you worked for five years at the bank of england and for the overseas listeners that is the central bank of the united kingdom and now you work for the financial conduct authority which is the regulator can you talk about your experiences and the skills that you've learned that have helped you in your role yeah, of course. So it, it was just over five years at the Bank of England and I joined the Financial Conduct Authority back in November last year. I think for whether you work in regulation, central banking or in any organization, I think one of the key things that I learned very quickly is that if you can go to any organization and improve process, you quickly become an asset. And what I mean by that, um, if you can turn up to an organization and perhaps you become specialized in using Python, using R, using SQL, using Tableau, if you can go there and say there was a process that perhaps took that business, you know, two to three hours to complete and it might have taken four people, if you can now make that process be something that takes like 20 minutes through running code and then it takes one person to run code, not only have you saved the money, but you've also saved them resources because they no longer have to rely on three or four people to do that particular process. So for me, that's something in my career I've kind of picked up really quickly on. And um, I think that has helped me progress. Mm. Wherever I go, I always try to make sure that I understand the bigger picture of what it is that my team or my department is trying to do. Really insightful answer there, Melvin. I want to ask you now about what motivated your decision to move into the fintech space, having sampled traditional financial services at the Bank of England? So the World Economic Forum um, estimated that by the year 2025, 50% of employees are going to have to be reskilled in uh, digital skills. So this is, for example, picking up what I was talking about earlier about some sort of like programming languages or even more uh, more basic level. Um, the forum estimates that by 2025, there will also be um, an opening of around 97 million jobs that will need to be filled by the continuous growth of advanced technology. Um, with all this being said, I mean, students listening today will know that like technology is ever more growing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even if we look, for example, at day-to-day things that students may be doing, um, they might not be aware how technology is impacting this. So if I talk, for example, a little bit about CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, um, the Atlantic Council have done some research on this. And th- there are now, as of May 2023, there are 114 countries uh, who are actively exploring CBDC. And if I put it into context, that's 95% of the global GDP. If I go back uh, only a few years ago, only 35 countries were considering CBDC. So it just shows you how much technology is growing. And I'm sure everyone is today would have heard for some of the more popular technologies that are out there like ChatGPT, etc. Mm. Um, so for me, it was really seeing the news and seeing that there was 
non-inappetites in a corporate world to kind of come in and learn these technologies and apply them. But as you start doing them, for me, it was a personal interest. So for me, I guess I consider myself lucky to be in an organization where I can do what I love mm-hmm. uh, and actually help make a difference with what it is that I love doing. Thank you, Melvin. So Eva, I want to bring you into the conversation now and uh, understand a bit about your background. You've had quite a decorated career. You started out in legal and tax in your home country of Poland before moving to the UK. How has the finance industry evolved compared to the roles you did, say, when you first started out? Hello, guys. Thank you for having me here. So your question is interesting because, as as you mentioned, I started my career in Poland when I graduated from Warsaw University with my first master's degree mm. and moved to, to the business to do the tax advisory and then decided to leave Poland for the UK, where I undertook another LLM, another master's degree in King's College mm. and graduated again and moved um, through various roles to finally find myself in uh, as a project manager in technology and innovation in business transformation in the company RSM, where I work at the moment. How the finance industry evolves is pretty interesting because I can not only tell you that, but I can compare also what was happening in Poland versus Mm. UK. I think Poland is very bureaucratic country where I found doing tax role quite boring and repetitive, very administrative and in a bureaucratic way, I can't really say this. We, I don't think Poland is on the top of technology development at the moment even. So I'm actually very happy to be in the UK. My job I was doing when I just arrived, we didn't, for example, have the Outlook. Mm-hmm. We had to run paper calendar. That was, what, uh, 15 years ago. Okay. Interestingly, I decided to change my career um, 10 months ago. Well, mm-hmm. I decided to change my career far before that, but I managed to do it 10 months ago. And it, it's exactly when ChatGPT kicked off. And mm. it's a fascinating moment because we are now at the stage where whole change just accelerated massively. And what we are observing now is something that never happened in my whole career. Mm. And, and actually, this moment is a breakthrough moment, as I see it. Uh, you may agree with me, Malvin, but um, this is like... This is like something that I, I don't know if we will observe anything like that in the future as well. Industry and 4.0, the fourth industrial yeah, revolution. Yeah. Some people you know what it. I mean? It's yeah, like it's like ChatGPT when it came, the way how businesses are trying to apply this now and explore it, putting millions of pounds into just, you know, researching this new AI is something mm. that incredible. So... Yeah, it's changed massively. It's very difficult even to describe it because at the moment we don't really even know where we are. Yeah. You know, because in a week or two, the next version of ChatGPT can change everything. So it's a fascinating moment. I'm very, very happy that I could join tech industry now uh, and observe and be in this. And I do some AI research as well at work. So I'm, I'm just consider myself very happy because it might it will be a bit difficult to come to this fresh Mm. um you know it's better to observe as it goes as it Mm. happens for me personally it's remarkable to 
to learn that um, paper calendars uh, are something that we used um, not too long ago. And mm. now we have the technologies that we have, as, as Melvin referenced, Industry 4.0. Yeah. So the point is very salient in the sense of you need to, if you aren't already, keep abreast of what's happening in the world, what's happening in commerce and different industries, because there is a risk that people can, be, can get left behind. But this is why we, we are exploring the, the idea of the future of work in this series. So Eva, you mentioned uh, over the past year that you moved into tax technology and innovation in a project management role. So firstly, congratulations on your career change. I want to ask you, and thinking about the career changes listening, or even the developers thinking about that next step in their career, what inspired the decision and what advice would you give to the people listening who are thinking about a career change into this fintech space? Well, first of all, I think it's important to say I had to grow up to this for this to happen because I come mm. from a country where um, there is certain amount of fields that society expects you to go and and work in like medicine right. blah, blah, blah. the difficulty we face the people who live at the moment is that um the reality changed so much that what was real 10 years ago is not actually applicable now for example 15 years ago when you were picking up your career you could expect that as a lawyer for example or tax advisor things will remain the same Right, because they were the same pretty mm. much for years. Now, if you are picking up your career, you can expect they will be completely different. So people like us who are actually working now need to change their way of thinking. And it's quite difficult because we are already shaped in a certain way. So what, how I approach this, I started reading a lot of books about you know, self-approach and try to understand who I am and what my interests are. So I discovered that actually I didn't enjoy that much working in tax as such. I, I am much more outgoing person. I'm very good in networking. I am a humans person. I am a good psychologist. Mm -hmm. I am interested in psychology. I like visual arts. Uh, I like collaborating. I, I like complicated situations that I can sort out because project management is a mm -hmm. lot about politics at work. Uh, disagreements between people, you know, and I like this sort of environment. And I just didn't enjoy tax as such. Mm. Uh, why did I pick up technology? It happened gradually. I think partly is the same reason as Melvin mentioned that I just could observe what's happening. I found the recent changes fascinating. I had a very close um, access to them because uh, my husband is a software developer. My old friends are very good UX designers, software developers. And for me, it's a very natural environment. And I knew a lot about that environment. And uh, yeah, I just was increasingly interested in doing it. The problem I had was that my full CV was tax related. Yeah. And it was very, very difficult for me. Nobody, literally nobody wanted to talk to me and consider me as a, you know, potential candidate. So. I was very lucky to be in a place that, which is RSM, which at that moment when I was looking to change my career 
also uh, developed the department to deal with technology and innovation career change. Uh, I started collaborating with them on a daily mm. basis. And when the position for secondment opened, I just literally jumped mm. into it. There was like no question for anyone, I'm not going to do it. I was just an obvious candidate. So I think there is a lot of luck, a lot of collaboration happening, a lot of keeping your minds open. Yes. Uh, a lot and a lot of realization as to what is happening. What I come across at my work, people are not interested in what is actually happening out there. A lot of people who are currently working in tax don't. I don't know if they don't want to know or it's more comfortable for them not mm. to know. But when I sometimes go there and ask people who would like to help me, let's say. Uh, people are very reluctant. So I would advise everyone who is looking for opportunities or, or even even being very defined into what they were would like to do, I would refrain from this approach. I think having a broad set of yeah. skills, upskilling yourself constantly, yes. looking around, read up, talk to people, find a place of work which offers you development, which will pump money into your training, and mm. also the place of work that will actually invest in technology development. So don't go to the place that is not interested to progress. Yes. Because this is a place where you're going to develop uh, if you go to a place that is clearly interesting, interested in progress. And if you do that, you are safer because your skills becoming more transferable. I don't know if it helps. I feel like there are a lot of thoughts there, but there's a lot to say. Yes, so, Eva, um, I, I mean, actually, both of you, um, you've both mm -hmm. really spoken to this idea of, so finance is traditional in the way it's operated, but what you're both saying is we need to, to go against that narrative. And we're now in a world that's changing. We need to keep an eye out, uh, an ear out and listen in for things. And very much you're both saying similar things, although your career journeys have looked different, but you're saying similar things in the sense of now we have the, the opportunities to carve out careers from our interests. You both have mentioned um, different interests and you've navigated your career in a, in a way that such has met those interests in line with where those industries are going. So really great um, advice there. And I don't know if Melvin, you had some words to add to whatever we're saying. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think I can speak more on the trends that are going on. Mm. Um, so to add to that, I think, um, so it was very recent. I think, yeah, uh, so yeah, last month, early last month, um, there was actually some research published um, in, IoT, in IoT Analytics where they looked at what CEOs talked most about in Q1 2023. So from January to March, what were CEOs more talking about? And the research found that the key upcoming themes was, first of all, AI. Uh, and the reason why CEOs were talking about AI as a top upcoming theme is because ChatGPT was launched. Um, following that was the labor market. And following that was Industry 4.0. So you can see that going back to what Eva was saying, and you're certain, you know, if you went back 10 years, would a CEO really be getting up on stage and making and making public announcements on AI and issue for no, probably not. But we're now living in an age where like not only in the finance sector, but across various industries, CEOs are coming together and these are becoming the top themes that they're speaking about are in public. So it's just going to show that the evidence is there independently to showcase how important these trends are becoming. Yes. 
completely. I'd like to have a short discussion with you both now on where you see the finance industry headed. As we've mentioned throughout this call, um, the world of work is changing, it's globalizing, and we're constantly hearing about disruptive technologies like artificial intelligence, as you've, as you've just mentioned, Melvin, automation uh, and the like. So I'd like to understand from both of you, what trends are you seeing in your day-to-day -day work or in the industry widely that will be important for job seekers to understand from a perspective of building commercial awareness? Now, we'll just expand a little bit on what I mentioned earlier. Look at what is having the biggest voice in the industry when it comes to technology. So for example, looking at the research I spoke about earlier by uh, publishing IoT analytics, mm. um, you know, they're showing that CEOs are talking about AI, they live in market industry 4.0. So for example, if you look at AI, you know that if you want to go into that space and a key skill to learn within that is machine learning, right? Machine learning is going to be something that's going to be very applicable to AI as a lot of the algorithms run off machine learning. And it's going to be very important for people to understand not only how the backend works, but also how to explain it to end users in organizations. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a bit of advice I will give, making sure that you understand the technology well. More and more things will be automated. Therefore, mm. if you are picking up your career, I think you need to maybe refrain from picking up things that can be automated. Mm. So if you take an example of compliance in taxation, I expect this will be fully automated soon. Mm. So things like that are repeatable yes. uh, and you can put some rules into this, those will be automated. I would say that the trend is more value is being put in soft skills. So, mm. for example, communication and things like that, you know, mm. all soft skills you can imagine, creativity, uh, good customer relations, being friendly, collaborative, team working, uh, research, because increasingly places of work ask you to contribute uh, with your ideas as to what can be automated ideas as to how chat GPT can be used in a mm. and it's not only the team that actually does it they expect everyone to have a say so I would say if you are good at, at that you can uh, obviously still uh, train yourself there are a lot of resources available there is Udemy which mm. is a platform for learning I I think potentially where the big universities will be struggling is that they will really need to adjust their programs for those changes. So, you know, even CIOT, which is the body that regulates tax advisors, uh, mm. they have new qualifications on technology. So you can just do it on the top of what you do already. So everyone is like looking to open for more. So thank you, Eva. So what you're saying around certain jobs that are process orientated or routine based yeah. mm -hmm. you advise people listening to to perhaps not enter that line of work because your job could essentially be replaced or could look vastly different to, to what it is currently um, the second point is really key and I don't want to move on a tangent away from this conversation but with the change in technology now um, across industries education institutions definitely need to to respond and be adaptable to the curriculums that they have in their courses and so in the career service here this is why we work more with employers to embed employability into the curriculum because as you say 
once you've learned something, it could immediately go out of date. And finally, uh, you've both mentioned on this topic of skills and upskilling and reskilling. And for an industry like finance, it might be quite interesting for people to learn that skills like creativity um, and the softer skills are in more demand for a industry that is typically seen a certain way. Um, and if you want to hear more about upskilling listeners, we have just released an episode or two-parter on uh, this whole topic. So thank you, Eva, and thank you, Melvin, for your your insights. I just want to round off this discussion um, on what should job seekers listening be cognizant of when assessing companies to work for, particularly in the fintech space? It really depends on, on what you're looking for, right? So um, a lot of the fintechs, the, the UK being a big hub for fintech players, um, particularly here in London, is that a lot of these are startups, right? Mm. So uh, if you've got a startup, the mentality and the ways of working is going to be very different. If you go to, for example, to a traditional bank who's been around for many years, and the work, this, the work you're going to be doing and the speed you're going to be doing is going to be vastly different. So I guess you need to, first of all, think of what it is you like and where you see your career growing. Now, there are advantages to, for example, working in a startup. You know, one of the advantages that many people go to startups is because they can be one of the originals and, you know, grow with the team. And sometimes there could be, at times, you know, faster progression. However, you know, some of the disadvantages that they don't have a reputable name. And obviously, there's a bit more risk involved because if something goes wrong, you know, that company may or may not be around for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas a traditional bank generally is safer, um, much bigger. There are you can jump from different roles. So if fintechs make a T, you can then, for example, um, go and explore other options in the bank. Um, so that's the first bit of advice we'll give. Just first have a look into yourself, what it is that you, how you work best. And secondly, for me, is culture. You need to look whether, for example, do they have an innovation strategy? Do they have a data strategy? Something similar. How about the diversity and inclusion? When you look at the DNI, uh, you know, do they publicly publish some of their numbers? Are they very open about it, or is it just, you know, a, a quick blurb on the website that says that they're committed to DNI, but you don't really find any stats to back up what they're doing? Uh, so for me, those are two key things that I would say that I look at uh, when I apply for jobs. So I would very much agree with uh, with Melvin, and I really like the topic of startups uh, he brought up because this is exactly there are two things, right? Uh, for me, I was very lucky because when I joined Tax Technology at RSM, it was just starting, and it still works on a startup basis that is placed within big companies. So yeah. the atmosphere is really open. Mm. We collaborate a lot. We don't have mm. a bureaucracy. I'm not like assigned to only one project and I'm not allowed to work on anything else. I can pretty much work on anything I want, including research. And it's it's been fantastic. And if you can find a place like that, that's fantastic. Alternative in taxis to go to Big Four, who has already really big teams established and probably you're less likely to learn uh, the whole process of setting up a team like this and starting earlier but you're joining the machine but you will see bigger technologies and more advanced probably things that will be advanced in the future in our place but i think what you are looking for is exactly what marvin said so a place that is committed to change committed to research into ai and puts pressure on soft skills and that pumps a lot of money into training because rsm for example they very quickly realized that traditional 
tax and accounting qualifications are not necessarily the only things they they should be you know upskilling people so they uh, do a lot of research on the market on training available i think those are mainly the things i would mm. focus if, if i could just finish off i mean it's no secret you look at the news and right now the job market is very different than it was like a year ago right mm -hmm. um, before that now you're seeing big plays in technology letting people go and this is all public news, so I'm sure everybody has seen this. And, you know, as a student, it can make you a bit worried, right? Because you think, well, like, if these big companies are, like, not mm. doing hiring or letting people go, like, what are the prospects for me that I'm just coming out of university? So a bit of advice I would, I would want to give is that right now in the market, and to be fair, even going forward, there's always going to be competition for, like, high-profile jobs, particularly jobs with big companies. When I apply for jobs is that um, if I'm going to say, for example, I can code websites or I can code in Python or just going back to the technology conversation we were having instead of just saying your CV because you think about it how many other applications or other CVs are going to say they have these skills so what I always do is I always put a link to my github where people can go in and see projects that I've worked on that are yes. publicly available mm -hmm. or if I've created a website for a friend or family member if I'm going to say I can build websites for instance I put the links to those websites so then when I go into the interview people have seen what I've been able to do and they want to talk about that a little bit more and then it's no longer just taking my word for it they can actually yeah. see what I've been able to do so that's what's really well for me it's a great way of trying to showcase your abilities uh, to prospective employers one last thing I would say be very mindful of how you develop at work if you don't develop change the job if you feel like you are stuck don't feel like oh i need to have three years on cv otherwise how it will look like because nowadays you are expected to manage your career so yeah. i feel like even if you have eight months on your cv but you will go prepared for your interview and say why have you changed the job because you didn't like stagnation it's gonna be much better seen than you stacking around for years missing on opportunities and development and how are you going to explain this? I read a very good book recently called Mastery, mm. Robert Green, and he was saying that uh, changing jobs a lot and putting yourself in new environments makes you really flexible for uh, upcoming changes. And you are learning your subconscious to be yes. really flexible, open minded and, you know, to be able to adjust for what's coming. And we don't even know what's coming. So I would say, really, don't. Don't stagnate yourself. Make sure you are active there. You yeah, volunteer yeah. for roles uh, across, like, whatever possible. And just make sure you upskill, upskill, upskill. If you stop swapping at, at work, change it. You know? That's what I would suggest. That segment was filled with wisdom, practical <laughs> insights that we, we very much advocate for in the career service as well. I do just want to say this topic of startups very quickly. I'm glad you brought it up, Melvin. It is something that really speaks to the career stages that we have listening, because on a global scale, um, you mentioned big brands, big companies, large layoff cultures. Um, just by sheer common sense and sheer numbers, there will be a lot of jobs in these high in these larger institutions, but there'll be loads of smaller, medium-sized businesses just purely more in existence than yeah. the, the global players. So um, thinking about those who are maybe thinking of starting their own business or changing career, I think a startup avenue is something that might be um, coming into consideration more and more. 
So guys, we're at the final portion of our conversation, which is a quick fire round. So I've just got a few questions. Firstly, what is one common misconception that people have about your industry? I think in banking, I think the perception still exists that you walk around and it's going to be old middle-aged white man from <laughs> Oxbridge. Um, yeah. And I sometimes, uh, to be fair, I think like uh, a lot of young people, um, you know, sometimes people that in banking, that's kind of the stereotypical person and you're going to be walking around with a suitcase and a suit, but the world's changed so much. I and mean, when you go into these banks, um, and even if you know friends who perhaps work in banking, et cetera, it's changed so much to the point, you know, people dress casually, people mm. obviously do a lot of working from home. It's a lot more diverse. There's a lot of female representation. There's a lot more, I think, minorities. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I do think that kind of stereotype image is still there for some people. There's been a lot of progress made in this space, generally in the financial sector, which is great to see. Final question for you. What advice would you give to a younger Melvin or a younger Eva just starting out in their career? For me, I would say be more brave. When I was a lot younger and I went to my first interviews, I see people who perhaps are older, um, you know, and I used to kind of associate them perhaps with a more prestigious background. Like I mentioned, obviously coming from the care system, I, I kind of had a bit of imposter syndrome. So if I could go back, I would say be more brave. At the end of the day, the person who might be your manager or might be your CEO even, they're just people at the end of the day. And like mm -hmm. more times rather than not, they're going through life experiences themselves. So in interviews, just be more brave, be more relaxed. So for me, I would say also be brave, but rather in uh, discovering who you are, what's your mm. interests and strong points of your personality mm. and follow that instead of following what uh, you expected to do by parents or society. Some listeners yes. will be coming from places like me from Poland. So uh, I think there is a particular problem in, in those countries where we are forced into doing things we don't want to do. But also there are different opportunities there. But I would definitely say if you can really define who you are and what your interests, you are much more likely to be successful. And on that note, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you both very much for joining me on the Global Careers Calls today. Lovely Thank to be here. Thank much. you, Tanya. Thank you, Eva. Thanks. Thanks, Melvin Bye. and uh, Tanya. This was the Global Careers Calls podcast brought to you by the University of London Careers Service. All links and resources are in the episode notes. This episode was hosted by Tanya Kazim, edited by Abby Underwood, and introduced by me, Melissa Drorian. Follow and subscribe to keep up to date with our upcoming episodes with more motivational stories from our diverse graduate cohorts, and please rate and leave a review if you found it useful. To listen to previous episodes and find further resources by our team, visit www.london.ac.uk forward slash careers.